Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. This week, we're going to talk Snowmageddon, Ralph Ragnarok. We're going to look at some of the bounce back teams, the Toothless Wolves, and we're going to take a deep dive into the toughest and easiest schedules in this December fixture crunch. What's up, guys? Hey. Yo, what's good, buddy? What's up? We've got Chris here. We've got Tim. Yeah. Our neophyte, Kemi, is still out. And I got permission from him today to, to I, I said, let the baby out of the bag. And he responded with, let the baby out of the cat bag. <laughs> <laughs> Kemi does not have a new cat, but they do have a new baby. And so he is, they have, they have a good amount of kids. Uh, So they are in the midst of bringing the new one into their family. And so he's had to take a few weeks off, which we absolutely are happy and celebratory with him for the new addition to their family. So Kemi, we look forward to having you back. Too bad uh, the matches aren't on at 4.30 in the morning anymore for you to give you something to do during those early mornings, the late nights, but we look forward to having back. Chris and Tim are here with me and uh, we're going to start with Snowmageddon guys. It was wild this weekend. No comments from these guys. It really was so, wild. It really was wild. It just looks and you watch these games, it just looks absolutely miserable to be oh. playing. <laughs> well, I think watching I would be far worse, actually. Playing, you're oh, at least yeah. like running around, but watching that. Yeah, you can warm yourself up. You know, I sometimes wonder, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like Snowmageddon would be fun to play in, but I sometimes wonder if like the the cold, rainy games are worse than absolutely freezing, snowing games. Yeah, no. Because you're no wet. You're wet when it's raining, but when it's that cold and that snowy, I mean, it's still miserable. In like, it's crazy, but like, it feels like it would maybe be slightly less miserable than. Yeah, I think it would be. You're still gonna rain. get wet. You're still gonna get wet in the snow, but um, I know both of you guys grew up in warm climates. But have any of you play? Either of you played competitive sports in the snow? You could have stopped the question with competitive sports, but <laughs> for me, I've played like adult tackle football in the snow a handful of times. Um, it's not fun. It's really cold, especially being from Phoenix, Arizona, where I'm cool with 118 degrees. So, but I couldn't imagine like prof- being a professional athlete trying to perform at my peak performance in that kind of weather. Have you, Nate? Uh, not, I mean, obviously not professional, but yeah, I mean, growing up in Central Oregon, like we for sure played football in the snow. That's not fun, but it's not horrible. The absolute worst is baseball in the snow. It is the, it's the worst, you know, baseball season would start in mid February and we would start the first couple of, first couple of weeks of practice were always inside. So we would take, 
ground balls off the basketball gym floor and you can't really do pop flies. You do batting cages and as much as you can until, um, until the, the snows off the ground. And so, but inevitably I remember one game we were playing, uh, it was like a spring break tournament that we were hosting and it started snowing during one of our games and you're just standing there. Like it's so freaking cold. Mm. And then you go to bat and if you don't make great contact, it just <laughs> destroys your hands. So you feel it for like you 30 yeah, minutes. <laughs> yeah. Your arms are like still sh- like shaking after, after a foul ball or something. So no baseball, baseball in the snow is, is just miserable. Yeah. You're barely running. You're sitting there. We'd have a space heater in the dugout, a couple space heaters in the dugout to stay warm, but no, it's, it's not fun. Um, what's funny about this weekend, the, the match that makes is like the funniest to me is that Leicester city match, because at the start of the match, there's no snow on the ground. Like it's just a clean pitch. And by the end, it's just dumped on. There's so much snow. Um, it looked insane. Then obviously Burnley Tottenham got snowed out. Um, City West Ham had quite a bit of snow towards the end. It was all the Sunday matches. It seemed like though the snow had started, I know, um, in, on Saturday, cause I got a message from one of my, my buddies in for wolves and their coach that they were taking to Norwich, like, ran off the road or something so they had to look for a ride so they ended up driving with someone and sounded Uh like that was miserable as well so yeah i remember that not that this is premier league but earlier in the week with the champions league games resuming um the via real united game like they had huge snow banks pushed off to the sides so it started earlier in the week kind of in europe but uh yeah sunday was wild Mm. The other big news outside of Snowmageddon is Manchester United has a new interim manager. So the interim Yay. to the the interim to the interim manager has been replaced. <laughs> they now have an interim manager. I know I called him Ragnarok at the beginning, but uh, Chris, why don't you give us a little a little taste of who this Ralph Ragnick is? Yeah, or Rang, you could call Rangnick. Rangnick. I was going to say Ralph Rangnick could Rangnick. also work too. Um, look, honestly, I don't really know. <laughs> like, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to be like every Manchester United fan on Twitter and pretend like I've known who this guy is, you know, for the last 20 years and I've followed his career progression and I know what kind of system he's about to instill. Um, yeah, I don't, I didn't know who he was until the rumors of him possibly coming kind of floated about and you do a little bit of research. Um, and then you hear like other coaches such as, you know, Jurgen Klopp coming out, talking about how great of a coach this guy is, um, kind of known as the godfather of German soccer. Um, supposedly this is a great hire from everyone kind of out there unbiased or biased sounds like this is a really good guy to bring into your organization and give the reins to even if it is for just a little bit so i'm excited um hearing Klopp and some of these other coaches talk about him and 
like even Klopp being like, well, now we have a legitimate manager at United. Um, it gets me excited. So we'll see what he can do. He's got a lot of work to, to do, but you know, his MO is kind of building and foundation setting of teams. And so, um, uh, He's got a six-month coaching contract, but beyond that, it's a two-year consultancy role. And supposedly in that consultancy role is he has personnel decision-making authority. Mm-hmm. So he could – part of the deal was I think he wanted a long-term deal for the coaching role, but they weren't necessarily just wanting to do that, you know, coming off of a six-day coaching search essentially – um, so his clause to them was, okay, well, I'll come in and do it, but I want a two-year consultancy role with the club where I have personnel decisions. And, and that was the concession by United side to get him to come in at this point and, and take over. Yeah, that's, I, I saw the same thing. Obviously we're following quite a few different people, but when word broke that this was likely to be the, the appointment, um, it seemed to be pretty resounding. Like this is a great move, a kind of surprising move. I think I saw one person say this is uh, a surprisingly astute decision. <laughs> like surprisingly astute. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, seems like something to be really excited about. I mean, you can't really be in a worse position with compared to your expectations going into the year. So um, anything he does at this point, you know, as long as it doesn't include them like tanking. Right. I mean, it should be, should be good. Steady the ship, hopefully. Right. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad to see them not kind of rushing into the same thing. Like when they appointed Ole, when they ousted Jose and appointed Ole, he was the interim. I mean, he was just supposed to steady the ship for six months while they hired someone. And then the guys mm-hmm. ended up playing really well from him everybody loved him from a coaching standpoint of how he dealt with players and they just handed him a contract and said, okay, go for it. So it's kind of nice to see them take maybe a smart, cautious approach to it, bring someone in who's got the pedigree and hopefully they can lay a much firm foundation. I mean, look, all United's problems start at the back, you know? And so they can't defend to save their lives. And I'm sure once we start talking about, um, the match from this week against Chelsea, like Chelsea dominated that match. 70% of that match is in United's defensive zone because they can't take the ball from players. They can't stop people making runs. They give up easy crosses. Um, so hopefully we can get a defensive foundation put in place. He, from what I've read, he, he likes to play like a high press, which is something I would love to see. Um, you know, United has some young studs up front and seeing them press will be a lot more fun than watching them just try and make a run all by themselves. And when it doesn't succeed, just run back to midfield and stand around until you can make another run that doesn't succeed. So. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about the match a little bit while we're here. I mean, pretty big match for the weekend, a lot of expectations, Chelsea looking great United, not looking great. Um, But even from the lineup perspective, uh, Harry Maguire, was out because of his his red card but uh luke shaw also didn't start this game right they started with a little bit of a different defensive alignment Um, yeah well shaw's actually injured okay so it was a it was a health he took a shot to the face in their last game and kind of came out a little concussed 
Uh-huh. So I think he was more of a health scratch, but I mean, it wasn't, I liked Tellus starting. <laughs> uh, Shaw has been a pretty massive disappointment so far this season. So getting Tellus in there just to see what he could do. I think it was a health substitution for the most part, um, but we'll see. Maybe it can lead to some changes. Yeah. But obviously it was a draw one, one, um, at Stamford bridge. So good result for United to go to Chelsea. Um, how did you feel about the match? Yeah, I think if, obviously I, I'm taking that point very happily, uh, especially <laughs> considering how they've been playing the last four or five weeks. So if you would have told me before the match, Hey, you're getting a point today. I'm like, sick, let's do this. So, um, <laughs> I mean, Chelsea dominated that match. There's no way around it. They're a better club. They're obviously better coached at this point. Um, Their team plays very well together. They play a really aggressive attacking style, and United couldn't get the ball and keep the ball. They had to make runs. Uh, There was one huge error that led to their goal. It was a nice goal. You know, Jaden Sancho opening up his account during the uh, Premier League season was awesome to see. So that was great. Um, but you know, at the end in the press conference, Tuchel was talking about how United had one chance off of a giant error and, um, Chelsea was the club that was creating all the opportunities. They just couldn't capitalize on it. So yeah, I, I think if you watch the game and the opportunities, it could have easily been four one Chelsea. Mm-hmm. They missed a lot of open shots. They, I mean, Lukaku had, or no, it was, uh, I think it was Rudiger just had a wide open cross come to him with like in extra time that he just sent Sam oh, 20 I, yards I over. That. I mean, and he's all by himself. No one marks him at all. And he just, just puts a piss poor shot on, which was awesome. Well, here, are the, um, here are some of the stats from, from the match, just to, to, to like put a point on uh, your statement shots, Chelsea, 24, <laughs> Manchester United three, uh, only six on target for Chelsea to two Manchester United, yeah. 15 corners for Chelsea to two for Manchester United. I mean, I think there's other stats we could look at as well, but um, there's no need. Chelsea dominated this match, and there's no way around that. United's lucky to have taken a point, but at the same time, Chelsea could be lucky to have taken a point because the, the only goal they got was on a penalty that was really soft. It was really soft. And I've seen it go both ways. I didn't think VAR should overturn it because I think that's a call when the referee makes that call on the pitch, you just let it stand. But I've seen that not get called multiple times and I've seen it get called multiple times. Now I just think it's a soft penalty, but I understand when it's given, it's given and VAR is not going to overrule that. So you could flip the coin and say like, yeah, Chelsea dominated the game. They had all the chances, but they're the ones who didn't convert any of them. So at the end of the day, Chelsea's probably just as lucky to get a point as they were to not give up three points on that game. I don't know anything about a team creating chances and not converting (laughs) So the other big match of the weekend, uh, city West Ham, uh, city also, they, they, they pretty much dominated that match. Uh, United got, uh, a late goal at the end, which we'll talk about. Oh, what did I say? United. Oh yeah. Uh, West Ham got a West Ham United. (laughs) 
Yes, the other United, West Ham United, yes, I... uh, pulled a goal back late in the match. But but again, City City pretty well dominated that match. Two thirds of the possession, nineteen shots to five. Um, uh, it was it, it was all City and kind of the same kind of situation with City. They don't have a out and out striker, but they find ways for those midfielders to score goals. <laughs> so. Gunduan led the team last season, right? Like, yeah, yep. They just find their goals where they need them. Find them where they need them. Gunduan scored again. Fernandinho scored a goal. So, um, yeah, City is just they're they're amazing, and that's now two losses in a row for West Ham. City, you expect the Wolves' loss. I don't think they expected. So, um, it'll be interesting to see if if West Ham can keep this up, especially during the fixture crunch um that's ahead of us three teams had really good bounce back victories uh arsenal after getting smoked by liverpool four nil they came back and won two nothing against uh newcastle can i just Um, say it real quick can i just say it real quick yeah who who you play matters who you play matters (laughs) who you play play matters Absolutely. We need to have, we, we need to have t-shirts made, Chris. What's that? We need to have t-shirts made. We do. With we your have... face, saying, <laughs> with a word bubble saying that. Nobody yes. wants my face on anything, but I think we could, <laughs> I think we could build a t-shirt empire with who you play matters. Yes, yes. who you play matters. Um, and we'll get to that a little bit when we talk Wolves. Like, I want to compare them to Arsenal a little bit. But um, So that's a good, good bounce back win for Arsenal at home. Leicester. Uh, beating Watford in the in the Snowmageddon match of the weekend, four two, um, good win for Leicester. It'll be interesting to see if they can start to put a good run of form together or not. And then Brentford, Brentford with a really good one nil win over Everton. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, getting be- uh, Brentford back on track, um, stabilizing them in the the center of the table there. Look at Everton, man. Four yeah. losses and a draw in their last five. Yeah, Everton. I lost bad. track of how bad they're doing. Yeah, they're on a bad run of form, and they they they've got a tough match this weekend that we'll talk about. Um, and they don't have the easiest the easiest schedule uh, coming yeah. up in December either. So, hey, one more bounce back. Um, we need to keep an eye on Aston Villa. They've Great won point. two. They've won two now with uh, Steven Gerrard. So like, it's two. And I guess I mean, who did they play? Because it matters. It matters. The they, last they two. They beat, Palace they beat Palace and Brighton. And Brighton. Brighton's a good victory. Yeah. Um, Although Brighton's in a guess, really poor and, run of form. They only have three points in their last yeah. five matches. And Palace is higher in the table than we would have thought. But yeah, I mean, two wins, two games, two wins. It's not a bad way to start your managerial career in the prim for sure. Yeah. And Aston Villa has a lot of talent. I mean, I don't remember where you guys picked them, but I had them picked pretty high. I mean, I had them in the top half. Um, I, I thought the, the Grealish sale was a good decision and reinvesting some of that money. And um, I like their squad. And so I expect them to be higher. With the way Jack has played this year, it's been a really good sale for them. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yeah, Tottenham, Tottenham could have learned a little something uh, from that move. Right. 
Tim, I do have a question for you. Since yeah. you were in Mexico, you couldn't join us last week. Um, I think I touched on this just a little bit because uh, Ole had just gotten sacked at that point. But had Villa not hired Gerard a week before, what would your views have been if United reached out to Gerard and hired him as their manager? <laughs> and I know this is like probably never going to happen. Like it's a hundred percent hypothetical. Yeah. But as a Liverpool supporter, he's one of your greatest players of all time. Yeah. It's not the greatest player you guys have ever had. Yeah. Um, one, do you think a player of that caliber would ever go coach a rival? And two, how would your view on that player change if he were to do that? Well, and it's a little, and it is a little bit relevant. Like it's not totally hypothetical because of what happened with Rafa Benitez. He wasn't a Liverpool star player, but he was a beloved manager, right? Yeah. And now he's, he's managing at the rival across town at Everton. Um, I, I don't think Gerard would entertain the possibility for a second. I read his, I read his book earlier this year or the book that a ghostwriter wrote under his name. And, um, and he, I, what I'm recalling is like, he had harsher things to say about United and his hatred for United than for Everton, where he's like, at least Everton, you're from Liverpool. So some respect, like kind of that kind of an attitude, like, and he was friends with Everton, like Evertonians, right. He went to school with them. He had an uncle who's, you know, like he had family members who are Everton supporters. Um, but I just don't think he would entertain it for a second. Um, the one thing he wrote about, like when Jose was at Chelsea, Chelsea kept, Jose kept recruiting him to come to Chelsea. And there were times where that was close but I don't think he ever entertained the possibility of United. And I don't know if United pursued him, you know, maybe just because of that same, because the feelings go both ways. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Like it would have been really funny for me because I've admitted, <laughs> I love Steven Gerrard and I yeah. know yeah, yeah. as a United fan, I'm not supposed to feel that way. And I know United fans hate the guy. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, so it would have been hilarious because for me, I would have been like, dude, this is sick. And then every other United fan would have been like <laughs> just losing their minds. How it would have ratcheted the rivalry up to a whole new level, though, huh? Right. right? <laughs> well, while we're talking about Liverpool, Tim, why don't you give us a little bit of two minutes, a little bit of Liverpool, Southampton? Yeah. So, um, I don't think I need a full two minutes. I mean, it was a really comfortable win. You know, it's um, it just to see the the like, there were a lot of the like flick passes and heel passes, which is always the sign that these guys are feeling really good. Like they're gelling together that, and they're enjoying themselves. Like I don't get the impression with those things that it's like to stick it to the opponent. I think it's like, they're at playing at the top of their game and they love playing together and they love feeding the ball to each other. And um, so it's interesting. They were doing that even without Firmino in the lineup and Firmino is normally the one with the really nice flick passes and like really fancy footwork to feed the ball to Mane or Salah up front. Um, but they did that without him, but it was just so many of those where it's like, you get the impression that like they spent time in practice, like just playing around with that stuff. And then they were just trying it out and, yeah, unfortunately for Southampton, they were just able to do a whole lot of that and not really have a lot of those passes intercepted. Um, a clean sheet was really important, um, good to, and good to get those four goals. It, like looking at the table and the goal differential, like it could very well come down to that at the end of the season, right? I mean, you've got 
points, you've got the top three at 30, 29, and 28. Liverpool, and this gives Liverpool 28 goal differential compared to Chelsea's 26 and City's 20. So keeping an eye on that at this point in the season, like knowing that this slog is coming in December and crazy things can happen to any club with injuries, with weather, with just being tired. Um, so it was really good to get a clean sheet, get that goal differential. And then I'll just say really quick about um, Jata's, I think it was his first goal it feels like that's every Jota goal where it's like chaos and he just like pounces in the midst of all these people and somehow it comes off his foot into the goal. Well, his second one was the tap in, right? Like it was basically a wide open. The goal. second one was the tap the easy tap in one, but the, the first one was like, yeah. he was slide sliding. And in my mind, like every goal he's ever scored for Liverpool has been sliding in the midst of a, like mayhem. Totally. Um, I'm sure it's not, but like, it just felt like, like, how does he get to those balls? It's amazing. That's great. Uh, well, speaking of, of Jota, he was once a Wolverhampton Wanderer. So I will talk about Wolves here for a couple minutes. Uh, I said in the bumper, uh, toothless Wolves, and that's exactly right. They had, I think, five shots, two on goal. Uh, Wolves fan cast this episode said that was the least amount of shots against Norwich in the 21st century in the premier league. <laughs> oh, that is, I mean, that's just horrible. Um, they didn't look, they just didn't look good. They didn't, they couldn't put an attack together. There's really nothing like really nil nil is exactly the best way to describe it. Just, there was nothing really that happened. Um, there was one one chance Wolves had where there was a bad clearance by by Norwich that fell to Matinho. Keeper, I think, was on the ground or was kind of stumbling and trying to get up. Um, it was near the edge of the box or just outside the box, so it still would have been a tough goal to score, but he shot it right at the keeper. Um, uh, Jose Saw is amazing. He saved the game for them. He's been remarkable this season. Um, I don't know how many clean sheets he has, but Wolves have only allowed 12 goals this year, which I think is fourth in the league overall. So that's behind Liverpool, City, and Chelsea. So, um, and he's a big part of that, our back line as well. But, but Jose Saw is just, he's been remarkable back there. Um, Wolves are just inconsistent. You know, they, they beat West Ham and then draw against Norwich and look, remarkable against West Ham and really poor against Norwich. And that's kind of what I referred to earlier is that I think um, Arsenal will finish better because Arsenal beats the teams they should, even though they lose four nil to Liverpool, they can come back and beat Newcastle too. Well, that's it for the speed round guys. I want to talk about uh, the December fixture crunch we're entering into it. It's starting a day early this year. It starts tomorrow, uh, Tuesday. I guess when this releases, it'll be today, November 30th. And so uh, over the next month, I guess full month, right? Ending with game week 20, six, seven matches, seven matches in less than a month for all clubs. So um, we're going to see 
come January 1st, things are going to look a lot different in the tables. Um, we're going to see the cream rise to the top. We're going to see some of these teams, uh, the, the fixture is just going to be too much for them to bear and who you play matters. And so by the time we get to uh, the end of December, everyone will have played everyone. And so mm -hmm. uh, that'll give us a real good idea of, of where people shape up. So my question to you guys, looking at this upcoming uh, list of fixtures, who, who, has, who has the easiest, who has the easiest schedule? Who do we imagine uh, creeping up the table a little bit? Can I, can I just say it? I think United, Manchester United has the easiest schedule. Yeah, uh, so they really do. If, I mean, all of these games are winnable. Um, yeah. Their hardest one starting with Arsenal. Um, but, I mean, they could be right back where I thought they would be or I hope they would be with this run of the schedule. Yeah, I mean, they play Absolutely. all three. They play all three of the relegated teams in relegation zone plus Brighton who I think we expected them to be lower this year um, Brentford newly promoted team Crystal Palace we expect them to be lower that's a that's a really nice nice run of fixtures for United yeah it's a good that's a great schedule to be bringing in a new coach to <laughs> kind of iron out some kinks on he's like let me take a look at the next seven weeks yep I'll take I'll take the job <laughs> Um, City also has a pretty good City and Liverpool both have uh, pretty favorable schedules coming up as well. So uh, it's, the rich, yeah, it's probably it's probably United, City, Liverpool, the top three easiest schedules. Yeah, yeah. In that order. Yep. Yeah, probably right. I think out of those, out of uh, if we leave those three teams behind, though, um, I think. Crystal Palace is also a club with a fairly yeah. favorable schedule coming up. They do play at United, um, but they have they have Leeds, they have Everton, who we mentioned earlier is in poor form, Southampton, Watford, Tottenham, who we haven't mentioned for like a month, and Norwich. So um, that's that's pretty favorable for them as well. It'll be interesting to see what Spurs do with their run because we haven't like we started off the season talking a lot about them, um, but they've got they've got Liverpool this month, but that like the rest of the game should be winnable for them, so they're a team that could move up the table. Yeah, if if they have European aspirations, then they do need to make the most out of these it. next these next uh, seven matches. Well, flipping to the other end, who who do we think is is in for a brutal brutal run? Who who sh who do, should we expect to drop quite a few points coming up? You you really want us to say this name? <laughs> well, I know <laughs> it's saying. I know it's true because I created <laughs> if... the the content for this podcast. Yeah, it'll be rough for Wolves. It'll be rough for Wolves and Leeds. Those are the two that jump out at me. For sure. Yeah. Wolves, Same. wolves have Burnley at home this weekend, which uh, is a bogey team for, for us. So I, I think a draw, I mean, honestly, I think a draw would be great um, against Burnley at home, unfortunately. 
And then Liverpool at home at city at Brighton, who's also hasn't been easy for us home against Chelsea home against Watford and then away at Arsenal. So that's a brutal run. Um, but we knew, I knew this was coming. It's why I knew we needed to pick up all those points through October, November. We started with a really hard schedule had a soft couple months and now we've got this coming up, which in some ways I think if we're going to have a whole bunch of matches back to back where we're going to be tired and the, the, the team's going to be uh, exhausted, I guess what's the difference between losing three nil to Liverpool or losing five nil to Liverpool. So mm. um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. And maybe, maybe Wolves will step up their game and pull off a, a draw against one of those clubs. But honestly, that little run, I really, my expectation between in the next five matches, so leave Watford and Arsenal out. I think, I think if Wolves got five points out of those next five matches, I think that'd mean we pulled off a victory and a couple of draws. I think if we did that in the next five matches, that would be kind of best, best case scenario. Yeah. But we're sitting in six right now. The worst situation by far is for Leeds. Oh the fact that Leeds has this tough of a schedule coming up. And uh, where are they sitting at? 15th or 16th? And, and they've got 17th. the top three clubs away. Oh, I didn't Chelsea, City, that. and Liverpool all away. That is brutal. And then oh. Arsenal, Villa, Brentford, yeah. and going now backwards, Brentford and Palace. And those so are those three having either. those having those three away. Oh my gosh, what a run! We may not see Kyle again. That might have been it. Like last <laughs> week might have been the last appearance of Kyle until he starts his championship pod. <laughs> you mean until he's supporting Chelsea next year. Yeah, totally. Oh man. Well, let's look at our Americans. <laughs> Pulisic didn't start, but he came on in the last 15 minutes. Uh, obviously wasn't able to uh, do enough to get Chelsea the win. But uh, Chris, how did how did Pulisic look? Uh, he looked good. He was making cuts, making dashes. Um, kind of towards the end of the match, he went down and was limping. I was like, no, 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 no. He's not allowed to get hurt. I don't want Chelsea to win this game, but he's not allowed to get hurt. So uh, it came on pretty late, though. It didn't get a ton of time. Um, but he looked like Pulisic creating chances. In fact, uh, John, he, had the, he had the really nice cross at the very end of the game, I think to Rudiger, like he made a really nice run behind United's defense with the, the perfect cross in. And uh, Rudiger. That was brutal for Rudiger. Yeah. I, in, in my, I even said this out loud when it happened. I said, that's what you get for not wearing the mask anymore. He should have oh, never man. gone away from the mask. <laughs> Always got a mask up. Um, uh, Sergeant did not do much uh, for Norwich against Wolves. I mean, no one did really anything. I mean, really, that's just the whole match was pretty forgettable. Um, and Sergeant was, was one of them. Uh, goal of the week. I don't know if you guys have any, any nominations, uh, Lanzini's kind of last minute goal for West Ham was a thing of beauty. The way he got great. that ball to like dip. I mean, the move, it looks like he's skying that ball over the crossbar 
And isn't that the one too where he kind of like steals it from City and just spins around and then does that? Like, yeah, yeah. And to think about who you're doing against, right? Like to do that against City and just like take charge of the ball and and make it do that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and the Tomiyasu goal for Arsenal was really beautiful too. Um, I don't, I think it was Martinelli. I can't remember who did it, but nice Gabriel, like long pass over the top of his head as he's running towards goal, and he just makes a nice, just one time shot and and goal. Again, that that Arsenal team, man, they are. I I really like them. Young, fun to watch. A lot of great, a lot of great young talent. Saka is is a star that guy's gonna be great yeah, if they is. can once they figure out uh he already is great i should say but if they can put it together that's that's going to be a really good team in the coming years let's look at the lock it in review um i lost my second week in a row i had taken chelsea over united that drops me to 10 and 2 uh tim closed the gap he picks City over West Ham. He's eight and four. Chris got a win. He took Liverpool over Southampton. That moves him to five and seven. And Kemi's pick doesn't look as bad as it did when he took it. He had United over Chelsea, <laughs> but it's still a loss. Uh, and he is at the bottom of four and eight. We each made two picks this week. Um, Kemi took City over Villa for the midweek matches. And then he's taking Arsenal over Everton uh, over the weekend. Uh, Chris, who do you have? Yeah. So I was down big last year and I made a run because I stopped trying to be cute. I think it's what we've learned in sports betting too, is don't be cute. Take the sure thing. Okay. Sure. Hitting a once in a million parlay is amazing but you know what all those losses you have to take to get there's not worth it so it's time to turn the season around i'm on a little bit of a run it's time to stop being cute and just pick the winners so last pep talk you're giving yourself there chris my guys are always ready to play all right make no mistake about that all right i've got lester over southampton in the midweek match and it's time to get back on that city train because they're playing Watford this weekend. So I will be riding the city bus over Watford. Tim, who do you got? I'm going to go predict. I have no speech to give, but I'm going to go Liverpool over Everton in the Derby. And then I'm going to go Liverpool over Wolves. You'll regret that. I'm sure. Even if it's just a point, I'll take it. I just want you to regret it. A point. That's all I want. That's all I want. We Where is four. that one? Is that at, is that at Anfield it's or at Molyneux? It's at Molyneux. Got it. Liverpool has been the team. Wolves have beat every other of the big clubs over the past couple of years that I've been a fan, but we have not fared well against Liverpool. I think there have been a couple that have been like tight. I seem to remember one where I think it was two to one, a pretty close game. And then Wolves gave up a, a goal right at the end to make it three one. But I don't like, I don't remember a Wolves Liverpool match. that has been close. We beat city a couple of mm-hmm. times. We beat United um, a couple of times beat Arsenal, but Liverpool has been tough since I've been a fan of Wolves. So I don't actually really have high expectations there. 
Um, <clears throat> I am taking West Ham over Brighton this weekend. I think they'll get it back on track and I'm taking, or this week, and then I'm taking United over Crystal Palace on the weekend. I don't know who Kemi's going to be featuring next weekend, but, or next week, but matches to watch. Uh, Merseyside Derby is, is that tomorrow or is it Wednesday? It's Wednesday. I think so it was initially Merse- scheduled for tomorrow, actually, but they bumped it. They bumped it. Okay. Yeah. So tomorrow, just two matches. Um, and then Wednesday, we got a nice little, little slate of matches uh, being capped with Everton Liverpool, which should be, should be really good. Um, United Arsenal. Just so, I'm just going to hope. Too. Yeah. United Arsenal should be good. Teams going that kind of opposite directions. Um, we'll see how they fare against each other. Lots of talent on both sides of the ball, or on both sides of the ball there. And then over the weekend, we already mentioned, I think uh, West Ham, Chelsea, that should be a great match. Um, and then Everton Arsenal on, on Monday. I, I know that this part of the season is like insane and two matches a week. I freaking love it though. I absolutely oh, yeah. love it. It's so fun. And not that the champions league matches in midweek aren't fun, but there's just, I don't know. I, I just love the premier league so much that I love the double fixtures throughout the week. Now I love it. I'm in. Me too. Excited. Let's do it. All right, gentlemen. Well, that's all we have. Um, hey. We'll have a lot to talk about next next week. The funny thing is, is the the Tuesday Wednesday matches will be such a distant memory. <laughs> we barely touch on them, <laughs> but we'll do our best. It's always funny because it's like I know they played, you know, six days ago for that match, but it always feels like it was earlier in the season. Totally. Like, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. They did they did play Arsenal on Wednesday. You are correct. <laughs> There's a good chance as a Wolves fan, I'll be trying to remember back to Burnley and skip the weekend match. So <laughs> I'll have the Merseyside Derby seared into my memory. For, yeah, hopefully for better. Hopefully than, for, than better. for better. But there is always Glazers out, guys. There, there is, is always Glazers, glazers out. out. And right, Ragnarok gentlemen. in. <laughs>